the Carl B. Phillips Show. Hosted by me, Carl B. Phillips, Uncle Carl. The Carl B. Phillips Show. Get ready for another great conversation on the Carl B. Phillips Show. Welcome to the Carl B. Phillips Show. I am Carl B. Phillips, Uncle Carl. On today's show, my guest is Dallas, Texas native songwriter, producer, vocalist, recording artist, worship leader, <laughs> father, and granddad. Please help me welcome my brother, Elder Stephen Anderson. What's up, bro? What's up, man? What's up, everybody? How you doing? Oh, look at you being all deep and serious now. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to loosen up. I'm going to loosen up. I got you. You're going to loosen up? Now, as yeah. I warned you, Steph, I'm going to ask you your first random question. And your mm -hmm. first random question, what are some of your biggest phobias? Ooh. Um, insects. <laughs> insects? Insects. Oh, okay, because I thought you said and sex. What you said is sex. Nanophobia. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Seeing your hearing, no. I'm going to turn my hearing aids up. <laughs> right, right. In insects. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, no. Can't now, you're in Texas where the insects are big. Mm, yes. <laughs> Listen, what I it's, it's bad. It's bad. Which insect, like you see, like you want to cross the street? Roach. Oh, Even roach. water, the water roach. Even, I mean, they'd be the size of your thumb. Like they'd be big. Wow. Yeah. Now, for me, this is going to sound weird, but I remember watching the movie The Birds back when I was young. So now whenever I see a flock of birds together, that's a phobia. Like, y'all ain't going to attack me. Let me go the other way. Yeah. I remember, was that Alfred Hitchcock? Yeah, Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcock movie. Yep. Well, all those I was a little birds boy. I remember that movie. Yeah. So like now, if I see a group of birds, I'm like, let, let me get away. I can't handle that. <laughs> you recently celebrated the second birthday of one of your grandchildren. Talk about the feeling of being with your sons and all of your grandkids what a celebration. It was, it was a little overwhelming because uh, just, you know, it seemed like yesterday, my sons were my grandchildren's age and we're throwing parties for them. We're carrying them, them, carrying them around, shopping for them. And so it was, um, it was beautiful, you know, to be three generations deep. Um, but it was, it was one of, it was a, it was a joyous occasion. When I tell you, I didn't know a two-year-old could have such a wonderful party. I wish I was on that level. <laughs> I've never seen it before in my life. What What were some of the things you found out that she enjoyed doing at the party? She liked dancing. She definitely loves dancing, and uh, she loves she loves applause. So every time we um, put out a gift, every time her mother they put out a gift out the bag, it was like we were like hey. So, you know, it was so many gifts that we just started slowing down, stop clapping. So finally she turned around like, I know y'all gonna clap for me. So <laughs> she um she she loves clothes. I do know that and she loves dancing. So what that's what, how I knew I was like, yeah, that's my grandbaby. <laughs> what what do you have your grandkids children call you? 
Um, they call me Pop Pop. Um, they call me Pop Pop. They um, actually, my grandson started the trend. He was like, he was he could never say Paw Paw. He would go Pop Pop, and so I was like, oh okay, it worked for me. It, it felt cool anyway when he said it. So. <laughs> I'm Steph Pop Pop Anderson. Yeah, well, right. I'll link to it. You can you put a put that where you can. Hey, my name is Steph. They call me Pop Pop. <laughs> no. I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be a rapper when I get to heaven. <laughs> we my goal. Since we've last talked, you we talked a little bit earlier about you have moved to Dallas, Texas. How has that move impacted your life? In we don't have time, but I will tell you this, the phases I went through, um, the, the beginning stage of it was overwhelming. It was exciting. Um, this was the first time, you know, um, making moves by myself, you know, you know, for the past 20 some years, I've had a family, you know, had children and, and grandbabies and a wife and all that stuff. And I was just, you know, I could move with my family. We only moved once when we moved to Metro Detroit. Um, it was it was overwhelming. I was excited, but um, I was a little nervous because it was like I'm starting all over again by myself. So um, I was I signed up for the adventure, but it was a it was emotional undertaking um, in the in the beginning phase. Of it. But it was I think it's probably one of the best decisions I, I have made. So how did you overcome feeling overwhelmed? What was it that you did? that allowed you to finally get to a place of rest with your decision about moving to Dallas? I knew it was God. I knew it was God. So um, I say all the time, God has an impeccable track record at winning and never failing. So um, this was his will. I knew, I knew it was, it was going to be successful for me. I knew it was going to be, it was going to turn out good. So, uh, so how did you know it was God's will? For someone who may not be a believer and you're having this conversation, how did you know that it was the will of God for you to be there? Well, actually, um, I had planned to move here right before the pandemic hit. And I get a phone call saying that the job that I was going to take was no longer um, available because of the pandemic, everything. And so exactly a year later to the date that I applied for the job, I get a phone call as if I had just sent the resume in the night before saying the job is still open do you want it and i'm like i didn't then i was like oh yeah 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 so i just kind of went along with it and um i went i went on vacation and um they called me and said hey we want you to come in early so i cut my vacation short to come to texas for the job interview and i get to the airport and one of the saints one of the old church mothers from my hometown south bend indiana she calls me out the blue and we don't normally talk. She just called me out the blue and she just began to talk to me and encourage me about going forward in ministry. And she began to speak this season into existence. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm in the airport, like almost missed my flight. That's the crazy part. I missed my flight because when she started ministering to me, I like just leaned against the wall. I just stopped in my tracks, leaned against the wall. Monte's tears just started flowing. And it was like God was, she, and she was telling me then God is releasing, he's releasing you, you're released to go um, do what he's called you to do and all the things. And it just became confirmation after confirmation. Um, and then God just allowed, started allowing things to line up. The 
the people um, he sent for my life to be an assistant to me. My first month or two, it all just fell in place. And then the next thing you know, um, greater opportunities started coming. And it was just like, God was like, I'm going to, I'm going to show you. I'm going to prove you. Wow. So you definitely heard the voice of God in this one. Yes. And now the truth of the matter was I was moving here to step back from ministry. I could be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I was in the backslidden stages, stepping back. And, and no matter where I went, God was just like, he just kept sending his word. And people just kept ministering to me about the call of my life. And so I was, as much as I was trying to hide and sit in the back of the church or just be around people, you know, at work, they could, they always would, even the sinners knew, they were like, you religious. <laughs> they, they, they didn't say church, you know, they say you say, they're like, you religious or something like that. They they just knew. Um, and so that um, that's how I just knew my life was more than just, you know, just doing church work that my light was shining and people were being ministered to just because of my presence. It's a scripture say, let your light so shine like a city on a hill. Yeah. They cannot, I'm messing the scripture up. I wrote it, so let your light so shine like a city on a hill so people can see God and glorify. I just really did. Yeah. Say let your light so shine before men that they may see the good works. Good work to glorify your father, yeah. which are in heaven. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. I wrote a song with that in, and I'm, I'm I'm trying to say the words of the song. You know how we we, mm-hmm. we, we rearrange words when we do songs. So yeah, you let your light right. shine. Yeah, what you're moving from South Bend to Detroit now to Texas. Talk a little bit about the difference that you notice in the gospel music scenes in each of the cities. Um, I would say out of all the cities, Detroit probably has the biggest appetite. They have the biggest appetite. Um, Dallas, um, and I, I, I mean, I ain't gonna lie to you, in all three cities that I lived in, um, these people just can flat out sing. They can just flat out. There, there are some preachers in the land. There are some singers who you, I'm just like, what, you know, where did you come from? What, what are you taking? What do you drink? Can I get a sip? You know what I'm saying? So um, it's, it's all different styles. Um, very, very, you know, very, uh, some are more passive and certain, like, you know, my hometown, they were a little more passive, you know, what I'm singing and, you know, but they had a sound um, that, that reached, that reached people, you know, a lot of us moved from the city and moved to other places and that sound carry over to other um, ministries that we work with. Um, Detroit, you already know, is Detroit is just a feather of banana thing, banana, crazy singers um not just in church you could be walking down the street to hear somebody sing and be like where are you singing oh i don't sing I'm like what um and dallas the same way you, you have a lot of hidden, hidden treasures ironically i've learned that um some of the best singers are the ones that sing in background you oh, know wow. to the praise and worship leader we got we got worship we got praise team that the background the praise team sing round you know see just sing circles around whoever the worship leader is I have several of them that will just put me to shame. I'll be like, you know what? <laughs> Go over there. But um you, you better do like James Cleveland used to do. Sing it for me, Keith. <laughs> I do. I do Sunday morning. Everybody get everybody get the microphone. Everybody gets the mic. Yeah, I'm out here. I'm out here Kirk Franklin them on the mic. <laughs> 
one other thing, um, you have shared your workout journey online, you know, late nights in the gym and different things like that. Talk mm -hmm. a little bit about how working out has impacted your life and your ministry. Um, it was about me taking back control of my life. Um, after battling, battling with depression for years, and not to go into a long story, I had to get to a place where I wanted to live. You know, I had got bad doctor reports. Um, my heart was failing. Like um, I was diagnosed with stage two chronic kidney disease, um, diabetes, all of those things, and 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 inside emotionally, I was just out of control. So I had to get control of my life. I had to make a decision: did I want to live? Um, and it helped boost my confidence. Um, and I gave God something to work with because, you know, as I put in the work, God just started changing doctor reports. It was just doctors were like, wow, you know, um, I've had throat surgery twice. I've had, you know, issues with my feet and, and my back and stuff. And I just had so many surgeries over and over and over and that the doctors were like, you know, we can't keep cutting on you, you know, two or three surgeries a year. It was bad. But starting to work out, starting to lose the weight, um, starting to um, take control of my eating habits, um, stop eating so late, stop eating the wrong foods, um, becoming more disciplined. Um, it just started lining up with, with the will of God, with the word of God, what he wanted me to do with my life. Like, I'm going to show you how out of control it is. Your, your way of thinking is matching your behavior and how you're eating and, and how you feel. And so I had to get back to a place where I, you know, center myself and um, just start saying yes to God. And really, that was, it was a turning point for me. When I started seeing not only the progress or the, hearing the accolades, it helped me understand, you know, you know, this is, this is God's will for your life. He said, with long life, will I satisfy you? Yeah. And um, I had to give God something to work with. And I tell anybody, um, you, you want God to move, give him something to work with. Just don't stand by and wait for God to be a genie and be this miracle worker for you every time. If you give God something to work with, he'll 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 do it. He'll do the rest. I hear a sermon come out, give God something to work with, or another song. <laughs> Mighty King. <laughs> Here's another random question. What story from your younger years when your family get together and they start telling stories? Which one do you want your family not to talk about when they talk about you and your young? My whoopings. Your whoopings? Mm. Baby boy got whoopings? Oh, I got a lot of them. <laughs> I, I got a lot of whoopings. A lot of them. Yeah. Mm -mm. They'll, no. They'll tell how I cut up and perform and ran from the switches and the belt. That that's the last thing I want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, uh -uh. you run from your mother when she would try to whoop you. Mother and my father, they're some strong country people. <laughs> they snatch you up. <laughs> Wait a minute, were, were your parents the one to tell you to go outside and get your own switch? <laughs> yes, my mother made me go get my switches, and she I, I watched mother mother French braid switches before she got a hold of me. Wow. Um, See, my dad was a construction worker, so he had those heavy leather belts. Yeah, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they both I, were strong. 
I, I could see that would be a, a, a cringeworthy conversation where you like, okay, y'all, that's enough of that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, the you know, it's something about some Arkansas, Mississippi people. They just strong. <laughs> them, they weren't regular whoopings. Even the backhands, it, it just wasn't re regular whoop, whoopings. It's just. <laughs> It was just, it was wrong. The way I was whooped was wrong. I think I, my performance, my behavior, my running, it was, it was, I, you know, I was saving my own life. Because so, <laughs> you knew you were going to get knocked across the room. Uh, you going to be sore for a week. <laughs> mm, listen, it, I know God is a healer now. I know, I know him as a healer before I got saved. Yes. Wow. That, that is hilarious. Let's talk my, my, about your yeah, new project. You have a, a picture behind you where you, you're looking all yeah. looking all saved and stuff. Um, <laughs> in Sessions Part <laughs> 2, hashtag Providence. What does that title mean? Um, the song is it's really just a collage of songs um, representing, representing my season, um, how God has cared for me, how God has covered me, how God has provided and protected me, um, even when I was about to self-destruct. Um, some one of the songs talks about um, God being the remedy; He's been everything we need. Another song talks about um, that God. Uh, song talks about use the scripture. I was once once was young, but now I'm old. I uh, never seen the righteous forsaken nor seed break bread. So God has always proven that he's gotten me, even when I was fearful or concerned. Um, another song talks about great things, um, just considering all that God has done for me, that uh, I owe him my praise, I owe him adoration for every time he has delivered um, and, and made ways for me. So just a couple of songs to kind of talk about that. It's just a collage of seasons of my life that um, God has blessed me with, um, even a breathe on me. It's an old hymn, but I need a God to breathe on me. I need a God to touch me. I wanted my will to subdue to God's will. So, yeah. you know, you, you're into all of my questions, so I'm, I'm still going to ask you. Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, my bad, my bad. You, you're the second artist that uh, I was talking to Ron Summers, and he did the same thing. Like He, he started talking about all the songs. I'm like, slow down. You, you, you actually, you're talking about all my questions now. So let me my let's kind of back up a little bit. No, you're fine. And Ron Summers is a beast. Oh, my goodness. You just go back to God. Got me, yeah. Music mm -hmm. Intelligence joined you on this song, which are um, your yes. son, Seth Jr. and Sean. Talk about the feeling of having both of your sons sing with you on that song. Let me tell you something. It started off... Um, I ain't gonna lie, I don't want to cry, but it's it was it was just an amazing feeling to pull Junior out of his element of being shy and allowing Sean to showcase what he what he does every week as a worship leader. Um, both of my sons are drummers um, and singers. Um, one would choose to sing Junior, you know, Junior sing maybe once or twice a year, and he'll go back to hiding. But it was amazing because um, my children, you know, they're raised in a musical family, so. All they know since the womb is that their mom and dad, you know, are singers and this is what they do. Then I started grooming them to, I didn't do Joe Jackson, but I did groom them to, uh, you know, to be musically inclined. So my first project, um, 
um, affirmation of Stefan, I did a song called Better. And they were like, just coming out of toddler phase. So I took them in the studio and got them singing the hook with me. It's gonna get better. So, so almost 10, 15 years later, my sons are, you know, adultish. And to have them do this song with me was, I felt proud. It, it really made me like stick my chest out like, yeah, you know, got my son on my record with me, you know. So that, that was pretty dope. And they doing some good singing. Yeah. They did their good singing. They made their daddy work hard. <laughs> and what I like about it, it was such an unpolished, unrehearsed situation. It really was. A lot of people don't know that, but it was an unpolished, unrehearsed situation that I'm in the studio. I did a live version of it, and then I went back to do it again. I said, you know what? They was with me just hanging out. And that's it. And I saw it next time I started typing the words and I sent it to them. They're like, what's this? I said, come in the booth. They're like each other, like what? And it and it went down just like that. Wow, you have raised two amazing men. Uh, Thank you. Passionate, uh, they love God and they love they they love the, the pop. I won't say pop up, but they love pop. <laughs> That's my new name with them now. That's what they call me now. I'm pops. You popped. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and pops about to get that AARP application. Um, too much. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> also on this project, you talked about a little earlier about the hymn, Breathe on Me. That's a different side of Steve Anderson that we don't normally hear. Why was it important to you to include that hymn on your project? The crazy thing, um, since I was a teenager, I walked around with the red Church of God in Christ, Yes Lord, the hymn book with me. And so, I used to put it in a chunk of my car. And uh, oh, there you go. That's it right there. That one. And um, I would, you know, get singing musicals a lot. And um, I was at a musical at Elizabeth Memorial Church of God in Christ. I'll never forget. And I got up to sing. And I just knew, I knew the, I knew the song, but I didn't know the song. And so I sang it, sung it the way the Lord gave it to me. I had never really heard breathe on me. So I actually, organist to put me in E flat and I started singing. So I had to be about 15, 16 years old. And one day, and then he got done, he was trying to follow me. And after that, after that, um, he said, man, you should, you know, you should probably record that one day. And I was like, okay, yeah. I didn't think much, much of it. And not knowing that song would come back to me years later, um, when I needed God the most. And I mean, my heart was, broken. I was bitter. I had, I even had murder in my heart. And that song just came back to me, take down my heart, cleanse every part. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. So my heart is clean. And parts of it talks about when my stubborn will subdue. And I had to, I had to come clean and say, look, you know, God, I can't, I can't go on a minister like this. Um, I'm, I'm not going to be any good to anybody. So that became my prayer. And um, that song came back to me and then here we go. Here we are. One of the lead singles from the project is Back to Love. When mm -hmm. you dropped the single, the last I checked, it had over 160,000 streams on Spotify. Yeah. Did you realize that the song was going to have that type of impact when it came out? 
Well, what were no. when you re-released it? Because you released it before, but the second time around, it just took off like crazy. Yes. How did that yes. feel for you to know that this song is having this kind of impact? I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't even write the song to be published. I, when I started pastoring, that was the theme song. You know, you know, every church has a welcome song, right? That was like our welcome song. Love is the greatest of all. So it was the thing about just loving on people, getting back to loving people um, that were broken and or looked like the old version of us. That's really what that song was. And so when I got ready to do the recording, I said, I'm going to try it. Even some of the singers, it was like, mm, this ain't what we used to hear from you. And I mean, you was there. We got to the recording, and the next thing I know, the whole room is rocking. I'm like, whoa! <laughs> and it was really that was really my that was the song that really kind of triggered my healing, like just trying to rebuild my life again. Um, I had no clue. I didn't. I had no clue. Never thought in a million years that that song would just take off. You know, even to the point where people call my and leave a voicemail. Um, I know you're trying to get back to love. Call me back. <laughs> so I'm like, dang. <laughs> you know, uh, or or, or for our, if we have a disagreement, Steph, that's not the way to do things. Just, you know, let's get back to love. I'll be like, <laughs> you know, so to use my own song against me. It, it was fun. It's funny. To, um, I didn't know, I didn't know it was going to have a, such an impact, though. Really didn't. I knew it was a feel good song, but I didn't know it was going to have that. That type of impact. So that was pretty dope. Speaking of feel good songs, another song off of your project, Remedy, which is the jam. It's another, <laughs> I'll call it an elder groove. What yeah. is the message of Remedy? You kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but go a little bit more in detail in talking about Remedy. Remedy, uh, actually, Remedy is the first gospel song I've ever written. I wrote that song when I was like 17, 18 years old. And uh, it just deals with how we're, our hearts, we're, we're always searching for the next high. We're searching to feel good. We're wondering what's going to be next. Because we, we um, because of our relationship with God is, you know, let's be honest. We, we, get, we get to a place in our relationship or our walk where it's, it's kind of shallow. And so, we're looking in other places. We're looking to other people for answers. And the truth is, we know where the revelation is going to come from. We know who is the remedy. We know where the healing and deliverance will come from. But it's going to require something of us. So opposed to us aligning ourselves and getting, and getting back to the word of God or begin to see God like we should, you know, like scripture talks about um, how men are searching the earth for um, there's, we're searching the earth for men to speak sweet things to us. And that's not the remedy. That's not going to heal us. That's not going to deliver us. So we would ask God to heal us and deliver us. Um, that's what we would say. But that's, our heart desire really wasn't that. We want God to deliver us from the anxiety of what we feel from our bad decisions. So in the song, it just talks about, you know, you know, stop looking, you know, stop looking around. Stop. Quit playing. That's really what I'm telling you. Quit playing. Look quit no playing. further. Get to the remedy. You, know, <laughs> you, get, you know, God, you found the remedy. Remedy, you know, and whatever you need. 
God's God's gonna do it. He's what he's the remedy. Mean? God's got it. Got everything you need. He's the remedy. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, you know, we're just two sanctified church boys. That's so, all we are. I have enjoyed this conversation with you. Thank you. You know, getting hanging out with you. You you know you're my brother and I love you, man. I appreciate um how you poured into my life. Um, then you just up move to text now. <laughs> but man, I, I sincerely Y'all not gonna let me live this down. <laughs> Nobody's gonna let me I live this. Oh my god. I sincerely, man, <laughs> appreciate you. You know, from uh what even how we met was so crazy. How somebody oh, yeah. sat us together in a service and and we was like, Who are you? kind of thing. And then God just right. allowed our friendship <laughs> to blossom. You know, you have been such a major part of my my music from my first project, um, leading songs, doing backgrounds, uh, heaven help us all. Like, you know, we are there for me, good enough for God. Um, you yeah. know, yeah, you just have been there, man, and I appreciate you. Tell people man, how they you. can uh, reach you, how can they get your music, how they can contact you, follow you on social media, all that good stuff. I'm going to tell you like I tell everybody, I'm not to be hidden. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> You can you got go the remedy on, now. Um, Come on, somebody. Listen, listen. And go download that now. You can download it and get that in your life. Um, um, you can go to my Facebook and my Instagram at dmusicquick, D-M-U-Z-Q-U-I-C. Um, get me on there. YouTube, um, Daytime 78. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, that's how you get, get up with me. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. As we wrap up, explain to someone who is struggling about the remedy that you recommend for their situations. I took um to the to the non-believer, I say this. Um, give God a try. Give God a try. Um and see what it'll do for you. To the believer, um, we know what's up. So I think. We just have to search our own hearts and say, hey, this is where I'm out of line at and put our pride to the side and, and go back to saying yes to God's will. Um, and the, the struggle, the struggle will probably still be the struggle could still be there, but God will give you the grace and the tenacity to to go through. He'll he'll allow you to overcome. You will overcome. I mean, like I say, he has an impeccable track record at winning. So if you're on the winning side, you've already won. I feel like it's time for the offering and the altar call. <laughs> God, I appreciate you guys. You are listening to the Carl B. Phillips show and I am Carl B. Phillips talking to Steph Anderson. Make sure you go get his, download his new project in sessions, part two, hashtag Providence is available everywhere right now. And again, as a reminder, work like you don't need the money, love like you've never been hurt and dance like no one's watching you. God bless. Until we meet again, stay safe. Shalom. The Carl B. Phillips Show. Thank you for listening to The Carl B. Phillips Show. For more information, go to carlbphillips.com. The Carl B. Phillips Show. Follow Carl B. Phillips on Instagram so we can stay in contact with each other.